Thanks for leading us today, everyone. It's awesome. Thank you. March your way out. Everyone knows you've been here for one whole service already. (laughs) Very thankful for you guys. Awesome. And I'm thankful for you. It's good to see you here this morning. What's the most unexpected Christmas gift you've... Oh, let's just broaden it. What's the most unexpected gift you've ever received? You don't have to shout it out. Just think about it. What's the most unexpected gift you've ever received? Well, for me, it was actually my first guitar. I didn't expect that from my parents. That was, you know, it had been sort of kicking around, so it was given to me. Probably the more unexpected was the really nice guitar they bought me a few years later. came out of the blue. I was in my first year of college, and I'd been playing quite a bit more at that point, and mom and dad got me a nice guitar. It was a sacrificial gift, and to be really honest, it, it made a huge difference in my life because it was through the use of the guitar and leading worship that I really developed as a leader, developed in ministry. It was provided a lot of, a lot of places for me to serve in my, early, in my early years, and I'm very, very thankful for it. Unexpected gifts can be awesome. Maybe a trip that... Uh, you didn't know was happening, that uh, your parents surprised you with, took you to Disneyland or something, or, or maybe it's just a, a surprise visit from old friends. That can be an awesome, unexpected gift. Maybe it's that um, thing that's been sitting in your Amazon cart for months that someone in your family finally noticed. Okay, how unexpected was that really? But, you know, nonetheless, that, that was nice. But sometimes unexpected gifts can be unsettling. Sometimes they can throw you for a loop. You aren't sure what to do with them. This week... We're going to look at Christmas, the Christmas story, through the eyes of the two people who were closest to the event, the two people who received the most unexpected gift that you could possibly imagine, Mary and Joseph. It's a very familiar story, I realize, but I, as the last few weeks, as I reflected on it, as I kind of heard it again, I was struck by just how unexpected this gift from God really would have been. And what it did to their lives. I mean, think about Mary and Joseph for a moment. Think about them the day before they found out what God was up to. You know, that day. Or the weeks prior. This is a picture, a depiction of their betrothal ceremony where they had, they come together to covenant. The marriage was still into the future, but it was this, this, this covenant they had made. Think about Mary. This vibrant, young Jewish teenage girl committed to following God in all of her ways and eagerly expecting her marriage to Joseph. And, and then Joseph, this faithful man with such a, a gentle heart, longing to be joined to his fiance. I imagine that in many ways they were just like any other soon-to-be-married couple, filled with anticipation, filled with hope, filled with dreams of their life together. I mean, had Joseph been saving for years to expand his father's workshop so that he would be able to then sustain financially a marriage, a a spouse, a family? And he finally got to the place where he was ready for that. Had Mary wondered what Joseph would really be like? She anticipated them making a home together. What kind of dreams did they have? What kind of fears did they carry? Had they even wondered, you know, who's their first baby going to look the most like? <laughs> well, she might have. He probably didn't think of it. But, you know, would it be a boy or would it be a girl? All these thoughts and more could have been swirling through their hearts and their minds as they look forward to a, a faithful life under God together, raising a family, as they look forward to 
And you could even say maybe a, a simple life together. And then God stepped in. And he presented them with his plan for their lives. To say that it was unexpected is an understatement. Turn their whole life upside down. So we're going to hear these two stories this morning. I, I just hope that we can hear them. And somehow as we hear these two stories, begin to catch a glimpse of what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph to receive this unexpected gift. The stories are told in two places. In the Gospel of Luke, it's, it's more focused in on Mary's story. And then in the Gospel of Matthew, it more focuses in on, on Joseph's story. And I'm hoping that as we hear this through their stories, we can hear God's invitation to receive his love and to share his love this Christmas. Well, let's start with Mary. Luke chapter 1. 26 to 38. You can follow along uh, if you have a Bible or a device, but I'm just going to read it and you can hear the story as well. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is a relative of uh, an older relative of Mary, and she's going to have John the Baptist, who would become John the Baptist. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. No kidding. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. This must have been amazing, mind-blowing for this young woman. An angel right here with me. And it's sort of terrifying and exciting all at the same time. I mean, what is God going to say to me? What, what challenges is he going to give me? What, what's the message that I'm to receive? What's the calling? Because God doesn't just send his angel every day, right? There's something special. And she sits in a long line having heard stories all of her life of times when angels would show up and there would be a special calling. There would be something unique that God was going to do. What was God up to? How would you have felt at this moment if you were Mary? Well, whatever you thought might be happening, nothing really could have prepared her for what came next. These are the angel's words. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This little girl, is going to have a king. And not just any king, the king of all kings. What do you think she's thinking right now? She's thinking what everybody else is going to think. It takes two to tango, and this little Jewish girl ain't been doing no tangoing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) She says, "Uh, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin... And you know, can I just sidetrack for a moment here? There's been times in history where people have looked down on people of the past as sort of being unscientific bumpkins. You're like, we know more now. We know now, because based on all our scientific knowledge, that virgins don't have babies. They were so gullible back then. Give me a break. They also knew where babies come from. They knew how they were made. Even this young Jewish girl knew this is not possible. How can this be since I'm still a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. On the second Sunday of Advent, we traditionally focus on God's love for the world, expressed ultimately in the gift of his son Jesus. And we often will rattle off John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But we rarely stop and consider the first person God gave his son to. God first gave his son to this teenage girl. This untested, sheltered, immature, little, soon-to-be-married Jewish kid. We can forget that when God chose to finally act upon his love plan for the world, he first turned this girl's world completely upside down. And how does she respond? How does she receive the most incredible news that you could imagine? Really the most impossible news that there was. I'm not sure if at this moment she had already realized there is going to be a price to pay for this gift. Was she already aware in those moments of how stupid she was going to sound when she began to tell others that she didn't get pregnant from a guy? She got pregnant from God. Just think about how that went. Was she already wondering how she was going to break this to Joseph? Or worse yet, her parents. How is this going to go? Was she even beginning to realize, even at that moment, how shameful this would be? And was anyone going to believe her? Not likely. So how does she respond to that? It's amazing. She responds with total submission to God's unexpected gift, yielding to the will of God that is going to change her life forever. This is what she said. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. That's her response. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm yours. My future is yours. My life is yours. Everything I have is yours. My body is yours. My, my, my reputation is yours. Everything I have is yours. I submit it to you. And if you want to do something in me, unexpected, impossible, if you want to do this thing in me that's going to alter the destiny of history and change the course of the world, if you want to do something in me that I don't understand and that no one else is going to understand, I am your servant. You can do it. I'm yours totally submitted to the will of the Father. (laughs) Would that have been your response? I mean, really? And here's where we receive our first invitation of the morning. Just as Mary opened up her life to receive God's most unexpected gift, will we open ourselves up to receive what God wants to do in us? You know, God gave his gift of Jesus to Mary. And then through Mary, Jesus offers his son to us. No, we don't get pregnant. Not this way. But, in some mysterious way, God wants to come and make his home in us. He wants, by the Holy Spirit, to take up residence in us. He already has. For many of us who have chosen to follow Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. He has come into us. But again, he comes to us in in particular times and places. Will you let me in? Will you unlock the door? 
Are there areas of your life you've been holding back? Are there, are there fears? Are there doubts that you, that you need to let me into? And he, he comes to us and he offers himself yet again to us. And are we willing to receive? And when we do, what happens next? Our lives are changed. Sometimes huge change happens in a short amount of time. Sometimes it's a, a, a long period of, of, of slowly moving change. But regardless, when God comes into our lives, our lives are completely changed. Whether you're new to faith, or you're just beginning to take some first steps toward Jesus. Maybe you're just exploring church and you really aren't sure this whole Jesus thing is for you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you're wrestling with your place and am I going to still follow Jesus? What's going on? For each and every one of us, wherever we are at, the invitation comes. And each one of us is being offered Every day and on this day, the love of God for us in Jesus. And he wants us to open up our hearts and receive what he has. The Advent season is all about getting ready for Christmas and being ready for all that God has for us. That's why we take these weeks to step toward Advent. And so the question this morning is, will we receive God's unexpected gift of love for us? Will we be open to what God wants to do in us? It's a key Advent question. Well, Mary was a virgin, but she was not single, not in that day. She was already in a relationship. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. And in their culture, being engaged was a, was a legally binding covenant. It wasn't something you could get out of with a change of heart, a cancellation of a venue, and a simple text message. You know what I'm saying? This is serious business. And Joseph, as you can imagine, is about to have his world turned upside down by God's unexpected gift. Let's try to hear his side of the story. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first of the Jesus stories in the New Testament. Matthew 1, 18-25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't know that. Can we just pause right here and try to imagine what Joseph would be feeling when he receives this news? Think about the betrayal that would have been racking his own heart. Maybe anger, confusion. I mean, did this come out of nowhere for him? Did, 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 did the news of, of Mary's sudden condition strike him as completely out of character for her? Like, whoa, I did not see that coming. What kind of turmoil was he experiencing? And, and Mary, had she, had she tried to explain her side of the story that God was somehow involved? And how did that go? <laughs> did, did her father come sort of stammering and ashamed to try to relate and attempt to convey to Joseph this story, which is obviously, everyone knows, a foolish fabrication? And what kind of crazy nut would believe that anyway? Their whole life was crashing down. Their whole future just slipping away, eroded by this sudden pregnancy. And yet there's something here in the telling of the story. Joseph was not a man to bring shame and disgrace on anyone, even on someone who had brought shame and disgrace on him. Verse 9 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, he thought his bride had broken faith with him. He thought she had committed adultery. And yet, even though Joseph resolves in his heart to divorce her, 
he does it quiet. He, he doesn't want to make it worse for her. And it speaks to me of his gentle heart, doesn't it? The gentleness of this man. He's faithful to God, and yet he's still sensitive to Mary. He's unwilling to be mean and vengeful, even though, as far as he knew, she had been unfaithful to him. She'd been unfaithful to the vows she had made. She'd been unfaithful to her God. And so, just as he had decided what to do, God steps in, sending his angel to keep this faithful man from what would have been an act of faithful unfaithfulness, him not knowing really what was going on. God reveals to Joseph the truth about Mary's unexpected expecting. Verse 20. After he'd considered this, I'm going to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, Mary got a daytime visit from an angel. But Joseph, he had an angel show up in a dream. Which I realize in their worldview they may have been more set up to receive. But I've got to ask, would you have believed that? I mean, what would you have thought when you woke up in the morning and you had a dream that was like this? Would you wonder if you'd really dreamed it? Would you think, like I think I would, that no, I fell asleep listening, thinking through Mary's nutso story about being a virgin and having a baby and somehow the dream I imagined an angel telling me that that's what I should do? Is that what would happen for you? I think that would have been my response. And even if it was true, Joseph must have wondered, who else is going to believe us? I mean, wouldn't they always say, oh, there goes Joseph. He's a really great guy, but what a dope marrying her. Or perhaps there would be community members who would always look at Mary and their firstborn with a bit of a knowing smirk, kind of looking for traces of who the real father is, you know? Oh, I think it's whoever. When Joseph woke that morning from his angelic dream, what did his heart say? What was in his mind? What kind of fears were quivering within him? We don't know what he was feeling. All we know is what he did in response to what he was told. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But, and this is super important because it signals Joseph's profound respect and deep commitment to God's gift of Jesus, which was already growing, who was already growing inside of Mary. But Joseph did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. There'd be no question of who the father was. And then he gave him the name Jesus. How does Joseph respond to what God has done? How does Joseph respond to God's actions? With ready obedience to God's command, doing what he had been commanded to do. You know, Mary, as I reflect on the stories, I realized Mary was warned of the pregnancy before it happened. And she responded with openness to what God was going to do. She's this beautiful picture of, of yielded submission to God. But Joseph, I felt kind of bad for him. 
Because he found out after the fact, you know? We don't know how the rumor came. One day, in his workshop, someone shows up with the news. Did you know? Your wife is pregnant. What kind of bad for him? I mean, what, what was that like for a few days? As he wrestled with what had happened. He finds out after the fact. Jesus is already growing inside of Mary. And his response, when he finds out what's really going on, is a response of ready obedience to God. And together, Mary and Joseph received the gift of Jesus into their lives so that others, so that we can receive the gift of Jesus into ours. Well, how do these two stories help us prepare for Christmas? That's what Advent's all about. I think they help us prepare because they help us grapple with how are we going to respond to what God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. Are we going to respond like Mary? Are we going to be open to God's gift of love to us, even if we aren't sure what that means, even if we don't know if we receive this, how it might bring change in our lives? If there's an area of our life where we've kind of kept God at a distance or we aren't too sure, we finally say, yes, Lord, I am your servant. You can do in me what you want to do. And we aren't sure what that means. Are we going to be open to what God wants to do in us? Are we like Joseph? Are we going to be ready to obey God's direction, even if the direction that he calls us into is a direction that's going to cost us for the rest of our lives? Here on the second Sunday of Advent, how will we practice love? Well, I think there's two ways. We've already outlined them, but very simply, the first way is that we, here at Advent, as we move toward Christmas, we receive God's gift of love. And I wonder if you could take your hands out and hold them in front of you for just a moment, because this posture of holding your hands out in front of you, I think is the posture that represents Mary's response to God's unexpected gift of love. And this week, we are sending you home with another candle for your Advent wreath log thing. And there's more at the back that you're going to be able to get if you didn't get one last week. We're sending you home with with yet another candle, the love candle. And this week, what we're hoping is as you light the love candle, that you will be able to say Mary's prayer, her prayer, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. There's a few different ways that that often is said. May it be to me according to your word. However that's said, but the Mary prayer, which we've written on a sheet for you to take home, that as you light the love candle, and you've already lit in the hope candle, and you light the love candle, that you're able to say with this posture, hands open, I'm ready to receive. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then second, these open hands, as they are open, are also representing ready hands to work. I'm open to receive, and I'm ready to work. To practice love, we must be ready to obey God's call to be a conduit of his love to others. Just as Joseph had to submit his own plans to the divine will of the Father, we too must submit our plans to him to let Jesus come through us to others. And so we ask, Father, even as we receive your love, who are you calling me to love? Who are you sending us to? You know, who is in my life that I'm, I'm connected with? I'm, I'm, I, maybe, I, maybe I see them on a regular basis that, that I need to show them the love of God this Christmas. Maybe it's an invitation to Christmas Eve. Maybe it's an invitation to your house. Who do you need to open up your table to? 
Who is God calling you to love? Who around me needs this Christmas? Maybe a phone call. Maybe they're far away. Maybe you know that they're alone on Christmas and they need you to call them. They need you to reach out to remind them they're not alone, which many people feel at Christmas, alone, and they feel lost and they feel forgotten. Who is it that we are being called to love? And really asking, saying, Father, even as I receive your love, what do you want me to do? Like, what action do you want me to take? My hands are ready to work. There's a poem we've also included in the, in the, in the, the handout for you today to take home, um, which is a, it captures beautifully both of these movements. And I want to read it for you. It's by Ted Loader. It's called, I Am Silent and Expectant. It's very short. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. I would be silent now, Lord, and expectant that I may receive the gift I need so I may become the gift others need. That's the call. Even as we get ready for Christmas, that we would receive the gift we need so that we could become the gift others need. Are we open to receiving God's love? Are our hands open? Not even necessarily knowing what this will mean for us. The change that might come. The way that God, as he moves in, will begin to grow us. We don't even understand that, but are we open? Are we submitted to his will? And are we ready to share his love with others? Even if that comes at a cost. 